Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. As always, I am Nike Spaulding, and we are pressing on in the book of 1 John. And so we've uh, looked at the first couple of verses of chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 and sneak into chapter 2 today. And so, uh, yeah, let's jump right in. This is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verses 2. 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2. And this is the word of the Lord. This is the message we have heard from him. And proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I love being an aunt, as you all know. And my parents were telling me the story that my niece, my oldest niece, eight years old, is starting to figure out uh, pranks. And this is the delight of my soul because I, I love pranking her. I love pranking others. Her dad loves pranks. Pranks is a big part of our family. And part of, like, pranking, like, low-grade pranking is just trying to get people to believe something that's just ridiculously not true. Like, literally, one time I convinced a cabin full of 18-year-olds at Kanakak that I stole a baby elephant from a petting zoo. Like, that's impressive that I am that good of a liar. It's also a little scary that I'm that good of a liar. But also, you're 18 years old. We're about to send you off into the world, into college. You guys got to do better. And so if you were in that cabin, you know who you are. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) so... Back to my point, my niece starts telling her nephew, her brother, my nephew Nixon, a story, and she's trying to get him to believe it. And it's just, it's a lie. It's a prank story. She's trying to get him to believe something ridiculous. And Nixon replies, you are a liar, and like drags out liar. And so that has become an iconic phrase among my family and myself toward my friends of like, you are a liar. And so I feel like Nixon would have done real well in the ancient world when these false teachers came along and he would have just been able to give him that same six-year-old snarky sass of don't come in here with these lies. And so that's what is being addressed in this little passage is that. So, so John has introduced himself. He is the apostle that has seen, touched, heard Jesus. We are welcomed into the fellowship. And now he's talking about let's get into the meat of my sermon. And one of his big points is in this this first half of the book is God is light. God is light. And so what like that's like that's a very profound statement. You're like, whoa, God is light. But the the question remains like, what does that mean? Like what what does it mean? And then what are the applications of that? And so uh, John Stott has a commentary on first John. It's it's a good commentary, I recommend it. Uh, and one of the things that he says, I'm just gonna read directly from his commentary because I think it's helpful. This idea of light is certainly not unique to the Christian faith. Other deities talk about light versus darkness, and light is this inherently good quality. And so this is what he says. He says, it is his nature, God's nature, to reveal himself 
as is the property of light to shine. So in the same way that light shines and reveals things, God's nature is to reveal things as well as himself. And the revelation, what is revealed is of perfect purity and unutterable majesty. It is in God's nature to reveal himself. And when he does, it's perfect purity and unutterable majesty. And he says, there is no darkness at all. No secrecy, no hiding in the shadows. And if God is also light in the sense of possessing an absolute moral perfection, their claim to know him and have fellowship, these false teachers, their claim to know him and have fellowship with him despite their indifference to morality is seen to be sheer nonsense, as the author goes on to demonstrate. And so he's talking about this this claim. If you are trying to refute false teachers and you go, hey, God is light in him He reveals himself and he reveals it in such a morally pure and perfect way that what you see of God is perfect. Then those that claim to walk with God should not walk in darkness. That's ridiculous. And so that's what he's starting out by saying this is this is not only teaching us that God is light, but he's also saying, hey, if we're to have fellowship with him, then we are to walk in the light, not in the darkness. We do not practice those things. And so that's one of the sort of litmus tests of these false teachers is they're like, yeah, 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 we associate with God, but we have no problem uh, doing sinful things. We have no problem being predators among you. And to John's point, he's like, no, that you don't know God then. Because to know God is to know that he is light. And to know that he is light is then those that are in koinonia with God, those who are in fellowship with God are those people who also choose to walk in the light. Uh, and so he is going to directly address these sayings, and they're gonna you're gonna see three of them in a row in this little passage in verse six, verse eight, and verse ten. And you there you can tell what he's doing is he's addressing false teaching from them. And so he's gonna start out by saying, if we say, and so we see that in verse six, if we say, in verse eight, if we say, and then in verse ten, if we say, and so these are the three ways to like three verses that say, okay, if you say these things, but then do this, you're a liar. And so that's what John is establishing in this pattern is he's already said, God is light. And so if we say these things, then we are liars. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to read to you what he says. So his, uh, the first, if we say claim is that we have fellowship with God and yet continue to walk in darkness. And then in which case, Nixon would go, you are a liar. You cannot say you have fellowship with God and continue to walk in darkness. No. Boom. First one. Second one is that if you say, basically, you've graduated beyond having sin in your lives, then Nixon would say, you are a liar. And then the third one is even worse. And he says, you can claim being sinless. And he's like, double lie. You are a liar. And also that you're calling God a liar. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a... He is, mm, if John were a boxer, he he would just go for the, like, the kill every time. Like, he'd come out, ding, 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 he'd come out and bam, bam, bam. Because he's not, he's not pulling punches. He is, he is going for the jugular on these false teachers and just flat out calling them liars, which is uh, a good and right thing to do if you're a leader of the church. And so, so let's look at these. If you say you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, you're a liar. Okay, so pretty pretty straightforward. If you say you walk with God, then it should bother you that you are living in an immoral life. If God's light is moral perfection, then it should bother you if you do that. Then the second one, if you say you have no sin, then you are deceiving yourselves and the truth is not in you. 
And John's immediately response to that is people going, okay, so so what if we do, though, if we have sin? And this is this really beautiful part is where John says, look, we confess our sins. We don't say we don't have them. We confess them. Only an arrogant liar would be like, I don't sin. I've graduated beyond that. Like I used to sin when I was like 16, 17, and then I became a believer. I sinned less and less. And by the time I was 34, bada bing, bada boom, I don't lie anymore. And John's like, no, that, no. First of all, you are a liar. And second of all, we confess our sins because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We need forgiveness for our sins. Do not go around telling people they can graduate beyond the sinfulness. It is a it is a stark reality that we learn of our frailty all the days of our lives. That all the days of our lives we need a Savior. There is never a day that you're going to walk on this planet and you're not going to need God's mercy. Now, that could be seen as this hopeless message of how utterly broken we are. And if you choose to dwell on that, may I suggest to you the flip side of that. The point of seeing your frailty is to see the kindness and the goodness of a Savior that says, Yes, I know. But salvation is not tied up in your faithfulness. It's in my faithfulness. We do not measure our salvation based on how faithful we are. We measure it on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to do what we could never do so that we confess our sins and seek forgiveness. And so that's the second one. And the third one, when he says, if, if we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar. Uh, so I don't know about y'all, but not not a great way, not a great plan, I don't know, to go around calling God a liar. Just, you know, mostly because he is true and tells the truth. And so there's no lie found in him. So if you're like, listen, it's God's word or mine. Mm, yeah, you a liar. And so, yeah, he, he basically John's amping up the argument of like, hey, you cannot say you speak for God and then live in darkness. Likewise, you cannot say, oh, no, no, I don't sin anymore. And thirdly, if you say you don't sin anymore, you're calling God a liar because God's like, no, no, y'all, y'all, y'all sin. <laughs> y'all some sinners. And so that's why I had to send my son. And that's why there are new mercies every morning for y'all sinful folk. But praise be to God that his mercy covers that, that there's grace for that. And that's not a license to sin. I mean, all the writers in the New Testament talk about that. That's not a license to sin. We should choose to walk in the light. What it means, though, is that there is extravagant forgiveness for our extravagant stupidity. That That's what it means. And so then he goes on, though, and what I want you to see throughout this book is the interplay as a pastor who is sharp towards the false teachers and then watch his tenderness toward the people in Ephesus. It's a really beautiful picture for pastors today because what happens, I think, so many times is pastors today, they read parts of the Bible and then they're like, oh, sharpness, great. Bam, 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 we go after everybody. And I'm like, bros, if you watch Jesus, he reserves his sharpness for those who are religious leaders who claim to walk in the truth and yet offer people burdens they cannot carry and truths that are that cannot abide with God's message of justice and grace. He's going after the Pharisees. He goes after religious leaders. But if you look at who he's soft and tender toward, the vulnerable, those who are confused, those who are seeking out the Lord, the children, those who are weak, those who are sick, those who are demon possessed, like the, if you don't, you got to get this equation right. We don't, and, and like, and this is, and I mean, the likewise is the other way is that you'll see people are like, oh, he's a false teacher, but no big deal. And I'm like, no, no, 
If there are wolves among you claiming to speak on behalf of God who have leadership, I'm not saying go after every cuckoo bird in your church who has no effectual leadership. Some people are not well and they need help. But what I'm saying is if you have people in the community of God who speak on behalf of God and are effective in your ministry so that you need to address them, I'm not saying go after every crazy person on Twitter then yes, we need to be like John and say, look, here's, here is who God is as revealed by the Spirit, or by Jesus, testified by the Spirit. We will always push you up against that example and see how you stand up. But then watch this turn. You guys are liars. You guys are liars. You guys are liars. My little children, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not send. Do you catch that? Like it is... It is a beautiful pastoral demonstration of a wise seasoned leader who looks at false teachers and he says, listen, there is no darkness in God. Boom. Measure that. Y'all some liars. But my little children, let me tell you, if you do sin, and I don't want you to sin. I'm not encouraging you to sin. I'm not saying sin all the more because grace abounds. What I'm saying is, is that if you do sin, you have an advocate. You have someone pleading on your behalf. You have a Savior who knows the Father, that together they authored your salvation, accomplished it, and applied it. The Father authors, Jesus accomplished, the Spirit applies it. You have an advocate. He's the righteous one, and he's the propitiation. And I don't know what y'all's translations would say there. Sometimes it says he's the atonement, he's the propitiation. It's a hilasmos from hilasterion. It's the mercy seat reference. It's this idea that Jesus is the atonement. He's, he's the lamb upon which sins were made, uh, upon which righteousness was made available to us because he pays the price for our sin. That's this idea of propitiation, this idea that sin was vanquished because Jesus stood in on our behalf on the mercy seat. He is both the the one, uh, he is both the righteous and the one who makes us right by being the lamb and receiving the, the judgment that was due for us, if that if that makes sense. And so um, this is a beautiful picture. And so a couple of things that pastorally I want to point out. One, um, mm, I think it would help people to know that the author of these words was a dark-skinned man. And uh, you may be asking, how do I know that? Well, if he's a if he's a Jewish man from the time of Jesus, most likely he's not white and like light-skinned. Chances are he's a darker-skinned man. Chances are... Um, just, just given what we know through history. And so what I mean by that, why I'm saying that, why I'm saying that is I have had, gosh, y'all, we sometimes fail to understand how symbols affect people. And what I mean by that is it is a normal religious thing to have symbols of light and darkness. Because of America's racist past, we have then taken these symbols that have nothing to do with the color of people's skin, that has nothing to do with ethnicity, nothing, 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 nothing. But we have extrapolated that at times. And so I have personal friends who have been harmed by this idea of in light there is goodness and in darkness there is badness and God associates with the light. Friends, this is not about skin color. Black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. White is beautiful. That is crazy, but it needs to be said 
Because sometimes we take images from an ancient world and we pick them up out of their ancient context and we apply them in a modern world and we make stupid associations. And first of all, that's a terrible way to understand the Bible. So that's just dumb. But second of all, it is harmful, it's racist, and it has no place among the people of God. So hear me. Light and darkness is a metaphor that applies to God and images of what's going on in the world. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. Nothing. Or the color of people's skin. So black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. Whatever skin tone color you are, it's beautiful. And so that needs to be said. And then secondly, what I would just say is... We're already seeing the pastor here. We've we're already seeing the the way that John is writing is not just a letter, but he's writing this homilies. He's saying this incredibly declarative statement: God is light. Here's this very true thing about God: that He is light, that He reveals Himself, and that what He reveals is unutterable majesty. So that those who would choose to follow Him would walk in that light. So anyone who comes to you and says, I speak on behalf of God, but I'm going to terrorize women or I'm going to abuse children or I'm going to use my power for profit and gain. They should be nervous. They should be real nervous. But those who are trying to walk in the light, but they happen to struggle with sin. I mean, I'm talking about deep struggles here. I'm talking about people who are like, man, why is it that I'm still an alcoholic? Why is it I'm addicted to pornography? Why is it I can't stop masturbating? Why is it that I keep having sex with boyfriend or girlfriend after boyfriend after girlfriend? Why is it that I continue to treat those I love the most harshly? Why is it that fill in the blank? And to that end, the question becomes, so is there no salvation for me? Am I not with God? And I want you to hear the pastor's voice, my little Children, I don't want you to sin. But if you do, if you do, you have an advocate. And so this is not a passage meant to beat people over the head. This is not a passage to wonder about those who can't seem to do right. Now listen to me. This is not an excuse to go about in your unrepentant sin. Y'all need to get right with the Lord. And I don't mean that as like, boo, you guys stink. Like, I mean, God is worth following. I mean, he, his way is I, I get right for your own good because if you're not right, it leads to destruction and despair. I'm not telling you to get right because I'm angry or I'm, you know, whatever. I'm telling you to get right because it will lead to death and decay. But if you're trying to get right and it's hard for you to do so, hear me, my little children. You have an advocate and you have someone who paid the price for your sins. And we can rejoice in that. And if you happen to be one of these wolves, boy, girl, you better know that God is just. All right, friends, I've gone over on my time. I apparently have a lot to say about this little book, but here's the big so what. God loves you enough to save you, and his mercies are new every morning. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. But more importantly, God does. Peace out.